We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Biplab Mandel, who currently owns the fourth place team in the 2018 FFPC Terminator Tournament. Mandel is also the winner of more than $30,000 over the course of his high-stakes fantasy football career in the FFPC. In this episode, we talk about the impact of the Rams receivers in fantasy football and who is his favorite of the three going forward, what he's doing with James Conner in Dynasty Leagues, and much, much more. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel as well. Now, without further ado, here's $30,000 FFPC high stakes winner, BipLab Mandel. We are entering, what is it, week 10 now, BipLab, and I'm welcoming back to the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown, Biplab Mandel. Thank you so much for joining me this week, man. Appreciate it. Yep, pleasure, Balki. Uh, let's talk about. Um, well, let's let's get this out of the way. When you are not uh, playing high stakes fantasy football, when you're not crushing the FFPC, tell the listeners what you do for a living. Yep. So I work as a senior IT director for a local consulting company in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Been here for last eight years. Um, 
highly stressful job that I enjoy and I believe fantasy football is a stress buster as well as helps me with the strategic stuff I do. Yeah, it's kind of interesting you say that because like if you're ever in like a tight matchup on Monday Night Football, you can be like, oh man, this is too stressful. I can't wait to get back to my stressful job tomorrow. (laughs) Well, sometimes it happens, you know, I mean, my wife is my best friend at that when that happens because you know she sees me going through ups and downs and uh, but you know this is not as stressful as the job so still it's fun well excellent that is excellent to hear we definitely do not want fantasy football to be more stressful uh than your job so clearly uh that is a win there um let's talk about this ffpc terminator tournament now this is an interesting format that um has been around for quite a while um this year you are actually doing very very well with one of your teams in it uh, fourth place in the in the Terminator, and the way that this goes is it is a 26-round best ball draft that um, I, I think they start in mid-August. They go through early September. You have to drop one player off of your roster each week, uh, and then, you know, ostensibly at, at when it comes to week 16, you have a 10, 10 people left on your team, a 10-team lineup. Um, and, and if you don't drop a player, your team gets terminated. Um, so it, and I think one of the challenges, and, and you can speak to this probably a little bit better than me, but one of the challenges has got to be when you draft a juggernaut, when you draft a really awesome team, it's got to be pretty difficult figuring out who to drop off that team every single week. So let me ask, that's the first part of this question. Second part, as we head into week 10, have you dropped a player on this fourth place overall team there yet this week? Yep, yep. Yeah, this is a format that I've enjoyed over last few years, Balki. I think last year I finished overall fourth or fifth at the end of the season. And this year I have four teams and I think all of them will probably make the playoffs. It's 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 still a long season, right? And this is one of my better teams this year. So your point is very valid. I think with good teams, sometimes the drops get very difficult, especially when you are going towards the fag end of the season. Um, I think we still have a long way to go because this runs till week 16. So if you look at it, I have seven more drops to make and a lot can change with injuries and and whatnot, right? Um, So with this team though, I have been a bit lucky because I was looking at my cards and other than Devante Parker, you know, who had one big game, all my cards haven't done much, right? But now the difficult situation comes. Uh, coming into this week, I will still be fine because I think some of the players I'm considering cutting right now is Randall Cobb, Rashad Penny, or even the Buffalo defense, right, that that I am carrying. Um, so I think I will be fine with these three, maybe next three weeks, and then um, Goff has a bye week, so I will probably cut Mariota after that, right? So those four cuts, I don't think they will do much. Uh, Penny, I'm not sure if he'll do much this year. There's still hope with Carson injured, but I have not seen a lot from him, right? So that being said, it's highly likely I will cut Randall Cobb or Rashad Penny this week. But again, with these Terminators, you know, I like to watch the Thursday night game. I like to watch watch other teams, see where I am and then make a decision. Now, the other thing with this team, though, is, you know, I am already around 100 points up over my nearest competitor. So in that way, I, I feel 
good about things. So it will purely be, you know, who gives me more upside between Cobb and Penny and, and I will make a decision accordingly. Uh, most likely it will be a Sunday morning cut. Uh, that's what I'm looking at. Now, BitLab, th- th- this is huge. Do not forget about that Sunday morning cut. You cannot forget the worst thing in the world for you right now. Fourth place overall. You do not want to have your team terminated <laughs> based on a technicality. Well, that that is like bread and butter and breakfast for fantasy football players. I mean, I wake up on Sunday morning and I have all my FFPC screen in front of me and I'm going through lineups and Terminator. So the other thing I do, and again, it comes from the job, is I like to be organized. So I have an organizer. I have reminders there. And when I drop someone, I will mark it as done. Otherwise, it will keep popping up on my Outlook, giving me reminders that you have to do this. I'm telling you, that is the way to do it. That is the way to do it, my friend. You are ahead of the curve when it comes to for, for the you you need to you know with so many teams and so much at stake in fact i was giving that some productivity tip to another fellow player the other day and he thought it was interesting so. <laughs> good stuff uh well let's i want to delve deeper into this terminator draft here because in the seventh round you kind of struck gold here with cooper cup right now he is wide receiver 18 and the third best Rams receiver, but if you look at points per game, because remember Cooper Cup missed some action this year, he moves up to wide receiver 11, and he is the best Rams receiver over Woods, over Cooks. As long as he's healthy, Biplab, is he a must-start going forward, and is he the best Rams receiver to own for the rest of the season? Yep. Uh, Well, best receiver, I'm not sure. I think the way they run the offense, uh, Cooks, Cooper Cup, and Robert Woods all have values. I think Robert Woods is probably more PPR consistent. But that being said, you know, I, I love Cooper Cup. He, he he reminds me a lot of Jarvis Landry. He did good things last year. Um, I was pretty bullish at the start of the season. In fact, in dynasties, you know, I was offering a future second and trying to trade for him because many people overreacted when Cooks was traded to the Rams, right? Uh, but that being said, in redrafts, I, I target targeted him between round six and eight, you know, wherever I could get hold of him. Um, A part of it is, you know, Rams also advertised him as a red zone threat before the start of the season. And I think Goff has looked at him um, whenever they get to red zone. Uh, The other good thing with that offense is, you know, in best ball format where you need to hit ceilings in various weeks, a good offense helps you there, right? So, Cup, if he has three good games out of five, that will give you 20 plus points, you know, and the remaining weeks, someone else in the best ball format will do it for you. I mean, it was a shame he got hurt, but I do feel going forward, he's a a very valuable asset in best ball format. And I think even in redrafts, he's probably your w, uh, wide receiver three or that flex uh, player. You know, I think, again, the way they run the offense. Um, High-scoring games, everyone gets a share of those points, right? So, yeah, you know, I'm pretty bullish of, uh, on Cooper Cup. If he doesn't get hurt, you know, I'm playing him every week, wherever I own him. 
Yeah, so. you know, Cooper Cup, too. I like your Jarvis Landry comp, which I haven't heard before. But if you look at, like, there are some pretty good comparisons. I mean, they don't have over – neither one of them has overwhelming speed. They both yep. run extremely precise routes. They both have great hands. I think the advantage that Cup would have – well, two advantages that he has over Landry is, number one, he plays on a better offense. And number two, I think he's a bigger red zone uh, threat than Jarvis Landry. I mean, how many times have we talked about Jarvis Landry being so valuable in fantasy if he and, and if he could ever score some touchdowns, he, he would be uh, such a fantastic pick and he would shoot way up in ADP, but I, I'm with you. I think Cup um, uh, is extremely valuable. Is he the best guy the rest of the way? That may not matter because of the you know how the Rams receivers ha- have been performing in the offense in general, but uh, I am definitely a big Cooper Cup fan for sure. I want to talk about another guy I've been a fan of this year, and I, I wish I would have got him in more spots. I probably only have him in like two leagues, which blows my mind considering how much I was talking him up in the preseason, but Tariq Cohen, let's talk about him. What did you see in him that made you want to draft him in this league. I think you got him in the eighth round in this league. And conversely, you know, on the same team, Jordan Howard, a guy who was drafted, you know, four or five rounds ahead of him in some cases, is he ever going to be a better fantasy option in this Bears offense than Tariq Cohen ever again? Yep. Uh, Great question, Balki. So before I answer the question, one thing that I have enjoyed and has worked for me in the Terminator format is, you know, a little bit of the DFS concept that going after stack. So in this team, you know, I targeted the girly golf and cup stack on one part that has worked out. The other thing you will notice is I have targeted the Bears offense. So it's not only Cohen, but I have also gone after Trey Burton and Allen Robinson in in this team. And a part of it, you know, before the season, I was having an interesting conversation with our good friend uh, Shane Hallam. Oh, sure. And, And he's been a scout. I respect him a lot, you know, whatever views he has. And he was telling me, Biplab, watch out these Bears offense. You know, Matt Nagy comes from Andy Reid's school. Don't sleep on them. And you know, Shane might have even bet on Bears going to Super Bowl or winning the division this year, which might be very bold. But that's I right. think uh, that's that's how bullish he was. So, so you know, again, when you get into the fantasy season, I mean, there will always be the Rogers and the Browns and the Gurleys. But then you have to see where does your upside come from as you go into later rounds. So one of the things I try to do here is go after the Matt Nagy offense you know, thinking that it will be explosive. So first part of it was Cohen. And I was actually surprised that Cohen was around in eighth round. I think he started going at sixth or seventh because the Bears tried to hide him in preseason. They said they will move him around all over. And, and and you know, he, he he's explosive. You know, I call him pocket dynamite, right? He touches the ball and he's very explosive, right? Little guy running around and no one can catch him. Um But, you know, he and Howard are very different types of backs. I was never a Howard fan. You know, I've suffered a bit for that couple of years when he's had big production. But I just feel Howard's value comes in the red zone, provided he doesn't fumble and he runs and scores touchdowns. Whereas Cohen's value more comes in positional you know, explosive plays with the ball in hand, you know, and and he will probably catch more passes than Howard. But then like last week, he will also have some low games, right, where he doesn't have to do much. But that's where the best ball format is unique. You know, you, you don't have to play him every week and the and the configuration decides it. So that was the reason why I went after him. Um, and again, it is the Cohen, Burton and Allen Robinson stack. Um, 
to complement with the Rams stack that I have on this team. Um, I do feel he is valuable going forward for the remaining season. My only issue with him in redrafts is he will have one or two weeks where he's not so good. And, you know, I would rather have someone like Nick Chubb and have more volume versus trying to play Cohen because he can even burn your uh, fantasy team in playoffs if he doesn't do much. So. Yeah, you know, I'm with you, and that was that was interesting. Um, you know, the the Chicago Bears stack, the Rams stack, that that makes a lot of sense for for fantasy to do that. And I, I think that that DFS tactic can definitely be applied in season long. We're seeing it done more and more, especially as more people draft more and more teams. Uh, they want to see if they can, uh, you know, take advantage of that on uh, on one team or a couple of teams for sure. Uh, big news in the AFC. Well, potentially big news in the in the AFC yep. North this week. We're waiting. Uh, to see what's going on with Levy and Belly. He tweets out the farewell Miami thing yesterday. Um, Steelers still haven't had contact with him. This is, by the way, that he tweeted that out on a Monday. We're recording this on Tuesday. If he does report to the Steelers this week, how do you handle both James Conner and Levy on Bell for your starting lineups? I don't know how many shares you have of either guy. Uh, and then um, also, from a dynasty perspective, what are you doing with James Conner at this point? Yep, yep. So the good thing is wherever I had Bell, I did reach out for Connor, you know, well, when all this nonsense started in in preseason and most of my drafts were towards the later half uh, of the year. So I had Connor, but what I also did is when I had Gurley's or David Johnson's, I tried to grab Connor and handicap the other guys because that's how you separate out from a bell team bell owner right you own Gurley and now you hit on james connor right that being said you know frankly it will be interesting to see how this shapes out um if i ran the steelers organization and you know um I would more protect Connor for future and maximize Bell and, and get the most out of it. But then comes the question of how much Bell is committed, you know, and it's all about winning Super Bowls. So it depends how the Steelers evaluate that, right? Um, I think in week one, when both of them are around, I would feel, you know, standing today without knowing any more, I would rate both of them as flexes and usable in week one, unless the Steelers start sharing more information on what they want to do with either of the guys. Uh, but that's where I will judge them. And then, you know, after week one, I think we will probably figure out where this is heading towards. Now, coming to dynasties, I do think that Bell is gone next year. No way I see him playing for the Steelers. Right. You know, yep. the bridges have been burned. In fact, some of the very good uh, dynasty players that I know of are even asking for a future first for James Conner. And I think I've even paid that price in a league to own him because the Steelers offense is so dynamic and RB friendly. You know, I mean... D'Angelo Williams at 30 plus age was churning same points as what Bell did and now Connor is doing uh, du and, and Connor has now proven that he can be durable as well, right? So I think he can only get better from here. They don't do timeshare. 
so it's it's highly likely he'll be highly productive provided he doesn't get hurt so i don't think future first is a bad price to even pay for him and is not a reach uh, because you know the rookies are again difficult to hit right in in drafts and you know i don't think 2019 uh, draft class will be as strong as what we have had in last couple of years it might be similar to the 2016 class so that's that's where i am with him in dynasties i mean if you get him for future second leave everything go run get him <laughs> but if people are asking for future first i would strongly evaluate and even pay that price to own connor yeah no i think you're right i, I think that's that's the proper way to 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 do it. i own james connor in one of my dynasty leagues and it's a league that i've been getting i, I think <laughs> i'm actually in contention um in you know trying to make the playoffs but it's a total smoke and mirrors team and i I should really be looking to to see what i can get for future assets but you know i don't know i mean like you look at james connor in 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 2018 and 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 what they could do with him and i'm with you i think bell's gone Uh, we saw that connor could be a great bell cow guy i'll tell you it's been frustrating to me is um i thought jalen samuels would make this a committee bip lab and he really hasn't it has been the james connor show 100 percent and, and, you know, again, I talk to people who live in Pittsburgh. I mean, there's a there's lot of passion and emotion. He's a local kid. In fact, I was hearing that last year, after Tom Brady, he was the one who sold most jerseys in, in, in NFL, you know, and, and people were stacking that up. Yeah, Jalen Samuels, I had hopes, but that's what happens, you know, same with the Rams. I thought John Kelly would be the guy, but he's not, you know, he's third in the depth chart, you know, to, to be handcuffed for Gurley. Um I do feel that Steelers will draft someone and and probably keep an option open, but I think it's his job to lose. And so far, what I have seen from him, you know, he's he's been terrific. Yeah, so. he he has not given me he has not shown me anything to to make me doubt him uh, going forward for sure. Um, Bip Lab in in your FFPC main event in your Football Guys Players Championship leagues. Not all of your teams are running away with your division um, in first place. Some of them are fringe playoff teams, and you need to make kind of decisions on what you're going to do with your starting lineups. Are you finding yourself now, as we're hitting week 10, starting riskier guys with higher upside over your more consistent, lower ceiling, higher floor, steady Eddie type guys as you try to make the playoffs and, and leapfrog a couple of teams to, to get into that, um, into those, you know, the, the top four in your league? A- a- absolutely bulky. So the way your FFPC format runs, there's two ways you can get in, right? Either be the top two teams or be the top two scorers, scoring teams, you know, in a really simple simple way to explain it to you. So now is the desperation time and, and wherever I am outside looking in, um, there's some analysis that happens, right? First, you have to look at which teams you need to beat to get in there, right? And then is there a safer approach? Are you playing them in in, in future weeks? Because there's only two weeks left for main events and, and football guys, right? E- effectively. And then if 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 you feel that, no, you know, you need to score a lot of points and that's the only way you can get in, you know, versus banking on wins going your way, then you have to start looking at some of the riskier upside guys. For for example, you know, um, in some leagues you might, I am considering in weeks playing 
Marcus Valdez Scantling or Anthony Miller over Demarius Thomas, who's more become a high floor guy these days, right? And now he's traded. So, so not going after the name, right? Or not going after players who were drafted earlier, right? So this is the time to do that. But then again, you have to do it as a, as a very calculated uh, risk, uh, or try to get you know defenses or kickers who might have favorable games you know i mean it's amazing how they can win you uh, a particular week right so yeah those those are the types of things that uh, go into uh, analysis and and you know i try to see which teams are going to play tampa bay for example who is their slot receiver is if he's an unknown risky guy can i risk him right i mean those are the types of things you need to do at this stage yeah every decision's uh, amplified obviously i think you need to i i don't think you know, there's a certain there's a certain amount of paralysis by analysis, but I, I don't think that you can necessarily overanalyze something um, this time of year. I think if you look at every single angle, much more so than you than you have been throughout the season, I think that answer comes to you a little bit more easily. Um, you know, going yep. forward, so I think that's the right that's the right way to do it. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Validate 29 to 92 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Um, this past Monday, we saw uh, Cowboys and Titans, and it featured uh, two young, quote-unquote, underperforming receivers in 2018 for Tennessee, Corey Davis, for Dallas, Amari Cooper. Who would you rather own the rest of 2018 between Davis and Cooper? And in, di- in your dynasty leagues, who would you rather have? Oh, this this, this is a tough one, uh, Balky, and I know most of the fantasy community, you know, we, we have short-term memories, and I think everyone is beating up Amari Cooper at this point of time, right? Uh, but... Uh, that being said, you know, I, I, I do think they are very close in terms of my evaluation right now, both in terms of dynasties or redrafts. I do feel it comes down to personal preference and belief. Who do you believe more in? I mean, if you look at Corey Davis, huge upside talent, you know, very gifted but then so far he has only flashed, right? He's had injuries and then the Titans offense hasn't clicked, right? On the other side, Cooper, he's had two 1,000 yard seasons, but then he has been terrible last couple of years, cannot get separation and all those complaints. But I feel a lot of it also has to do with Derek Carr and the anemic Raiders offense, right? Um, although the sample size is small, 
I liked what I saw in Cooper yesterday. You know, he managed to get separations. They were trying to move him around. Um, you know, he, he, he made some nice catches in crucial moment. Um, have a feeling that this year Dallas might try to justify their first round pick trade and try to more force him the ball or, or do something crazy like that. Um, so if you ask my personal preference, you know, I th- the fact of the matter that Cooper at least proved twice in the past um, makes me go for him. I like him more than Corey Davis. So I will stick to Cooper over Davis rest of the way this year and dynasties if I'm trading right now. But, you know, the next eight games, I can be swayed either ways. You know, I need to see more consistency from both guys. Otherwise, I feel they are pretty similar, right, at the moment in my evaluation. No, I'm totally with you, and I, and that's why I asked the question, because I, I wouldn't even know, like, where I would stand on it. Let me, you know, part of the reason I love doing these shows, you know, both the High Stakes Lowdown and the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, I get to selfishly ask high stakes players what they would do in my situation, which is what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to put you on the spot, Bip Lab. Corey Davis or Allen Robinson, who would you rather have in Dynasty going forward? We know that both have been inconsistent. Allen Robinson a little bit dinged up, and and certainly he doesn't have the target share that Corey Davis has. Uh, However, the the passing quote-unquote pie seems to be much bigger in Chicago than Tennessee. If you had the opportunity, um, would you swap Davis for Robinson? Would you swap Robinson for Davis? Who would you rather own? Um, dynasties, I'll go Corey Davis. Redrafts this year, I'll take Allen Robinson. That's That makes me feel better because I have Corey Davis. I was offered Allen Robinson for him, and I, I thought about it for like a day, and then I ended up rejecting it. More of the health thing. Like It, it, it kind of scared yep. me for Dynasty. But Corey Davis getting 10 targets on Monday night, you know, even though he's he's not – he doesn't seem to, to have a, a super high upside. I, I, I think I'd rather have Davis in Dynasty. I just think that there's more ceiling there. Yep, And he's 23. Cooper is 24. You know, I mean, again, we have short-term memories, but we will not always get Mike Evans and Odell Beckham. You know, receivers do take a, take some time, you know, evolving, running, learning to run routes and, you know, a lot of stuff, right? And separation is key um, in, in NFL. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't think that one is close for me in dynasties. I will hold on to Corey Davis, Amari Cooper over Allen Robinson. Uh, let's let's talk about the Lions because they made a big deal at the trade deadline last week. They shipped Golden Tate um, to the Eagles, and the offense, Biplab, did not look good at all against the Vikings. Now, here's the question. Is that a sign of things to come on this Golden Tate-less Lions going forward? Or, you know, that, that might make you second guess, hey, am I going to start Galladay? Am I going to start Jones? Am I going to start on Johnson? Am I going to start Stafford? Um is that the case that this is the new reality with the Lions offense? Or are you willing to look past it and say, look, this is against the Vikings defense. They're extremely talented. I'm not worried about the Lions going forward. How do you fall in on this uh, Detroit offense without Golden Tate? Yep, exactly. You know, I don't necessarily think so that things are falling apart. You know, the division games can be tricky. Vikings were, you know, they were angry and and they had to do something and the defense came good and, uh, you know, um, they beat up the Lions. But but personally, you know, I feel the Lions will be fine. I mean, they had to move Tate. He's 31 uh, contract year. You know, they probably didn't want to keep him and um, they had to move him. They'll probably draft someone next year. But 
The person I will keep an eye on is Theo Riddick, right? I do feel he can fill in some of that Tate role. Now, he, he will not be as good as Tate, but I think 60-70% Tate, he can do it, you know? I mean, if you look at this game, he didn't get the yards, but he got seven catches, right? So, he is somewhat like a sleeper we should look at in PPR because if he really starts getting volume, could be a good week-to-week flex play. Um, And, you know, it opens up targets for Marvin Jones and Galladay. I think when Tate was around, if you look at it, Galladay's production fell. You know, he was not getting enough targets. So I want to see what happens there. But with a good running back, you know, with Galladay and Marvin Jones, and then if Riddick can get into the slot... I think they will be fine, but we need to look at more sample later this year. Mike McCarthy for my Green Bay Packers head coach said yesterday that Jerome Allison might need core muscle surgery and uh, that it was a significant injury. It was a big injury. And now today we find out that the Packers have placed Geronimo Allison on injured reserve, which means he is done for the fantasy portion of the 2018 season. I look at Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who I've uh, really liked in, even you know before the season started. I, I still will stand by this. I can't remember if I said it on this show. I think yep. that he is the number two receiver for Green Bay next year. He's shown um, – the, the big thing that, that, that I was worried about him coming into the season, I knew he was big. I knew he was fast. I, I knew he had great hands. What I didn't know – was would could how how good of a polish to his game as far as running routes and stepping up at the professional level how good would he be and and he's further along at this point in the season than I thought he would be I think he's going to be very very valuable uh, dynasty asset I think he's going to be very very good next year however we're talking about 2018 how good of a start is he this week against the Dolphins and going forward for the rest of the season for you. I, I think you and I are giving away a lot of dynasty tips and secrets in this this uh, show tonight. Well, that's what but, we do, Bill yep, I mean, this is yep, we got to yep. let the let everybody in on the secrets here. But, but but I think he's he's a find this year. I mean, hats off to you if you called it uh, before the start of the season. I mean, six foot four, two hundred four pounds. Uh, but what is getting interesting for me is he has Rogers trust, and and the Packers is all about who Rogers trusts right randall cobb is not doing much i think he'll be gone pretty soon um if you look at the game against the patriots twice rogers targeted uh scantling on third downs and one was even a long throw that should tell you a lot of what rogers is thinking and and this reminds me of what rogers was doing with an inconsistent adams you know adams was terrible in his first few seasons and and Rogers kept going to him he kept dropping passes Rogers will still go to him right so I do feel that the upside is huge but I think even the remaining part of the season um, Scantling will be fine because Jimmy Graham and uh, Cobb is not doing much and now Allison is gone um, I don't think he has the ceiling of uh, Davante Adams yet, but I do feel he'll be a consistent uh, target, uh, especially because Rogers trusts him right now. Um, Dynasty, I think we should try to buy him low wherever we can. He'll have a bigger role next year. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm totally with you on that, and I think you make a good point. Like he's not going to have the upside of Devonte Adams, especially for the rest of this season. But yeah, I mean, there's the comparisons are there, 
And I think that, you know, the Packers not only drafting MVS, but Equinemius St. Brown and Jamon Moore, I think they made a concerted effort to say, like, look, the type of players we want in Green Bay catching passes from Aaron Rodgers are not these short, shifty, um, you know, receiver hogs that you see a lot of people going after, a lot of different teams going after in the draft, these slot receivers. They want big guys who can run downfield, who can yep. stretch the field, who have massive target, you know, catch radiuses or, or radii, excuse me. And and and, the, and MVS fits that. And so I, I, I totally think I'm with you. With the remainder of the season, especially while we're in the bye weeks here, you can do a lot worse than Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I'm not going to want to start him in any championship rounds and unless, you know, I'm, I I got I need to create some variance and, and make up a lot of ground. He's a good, like, you know, pick-to-win type player. Uh, but right now I think he makes for an excellent flex. Sticking with the, well, not necessarily the Packers, but who they play this week, Miami Dolphins. Some people are making this decision this week in their starting lineups. Kenyon Drake going against the Packers up at Lambeau Field, Bip Lab, or Leonard Fournette, who probably, we don't know if this is an official, but probably making his return to the Jaguars, this time at Lucas Oil Field in Indianapolis. If you can only start one between Drake and Fournette, who is it this week? So if Fournette is back healthy and starts, I'm going to start him, you know, and that's end of uh, conversation there, you know, better player, three down roll friendly matchup against Indianapolis you know I think Jaguars are losing a lot a part of it is they are not going back to how they have been here right good defense and then run the ball and keep position right and not not leave it in Blake um, Bortles hands right uh they are coming off a bye, hoping that Fournette is rested. Good early signs that he's already practicing, right? So so this should be a good matchup. Now, coming to Miami, you know, I mean, they are probably going to have to air it out against Green Bay at Green Bay. Um, my concern with that team is Drake's usage. It has just been inconsistent week to week. He's, he's looked very good, but then Adam Gase just doesn't give him the touches, right? So now the only risk here is Fournette getting hurt. Well, if he gets hurt, let him get hurt. You know, injuries happen and that's part of fantasy football, but I'd rather... Uh, back that decision then regret overthinking and benching for net and him having a monster game so that's that's how i will make my decision once again you and i are of one mind on this Kenyon drake is just not getting enough usage uh, even though in green bay this week uh, he should be getting more uh, you know packers nine and a half point favorites you think drake is going to be out on the field more than frank gore and then leonard fournette you know that the, the Jaguars are not going to trot him out there again too early before he's come, you know, totally yep. run, run this injury full circle. If he's out there, you know they're ready to uh, to ride him hard against the Colts uh, this week. So I am definitely, I don't have to make that. I don't think I, I own both those guys in different leagues, but I don't own them in the same league. But if I had the decision to make, it's Fournette for sure. Uh, as long as we're talking about Week 10 lineups, Bip Lab, final yep. question for you today here on the High Stakes Lowdown. Give us a sleeper um, that that may find his way into some of your lineups this week, or maybe you know a guy that you don't own that you you wish you owned because uh, he's going to put up some numbers this week, and then uh, a stud, maybe an early round guy or a guy that a lot of people will have locked into their lineups that you don't necessarily think should be started in week ten. Yep, um, I think uh, someone that I would. Uh think of a sleeper going into this week will be Anthony Miller 
if special if spe- especially Allen Robinson is out, I think his catches have gone up, and um, I have a sneaky feeling he will have a good game, right? Um, a stud that I will be uh, cautious about this week uh, would be someone like uh, you know the, this is a double-edged sword, but I would say Leonard Fournette. You know, again, coming off a bye week and injury risks. Uh, if you have an option, um, you know, even like a Jordan Howard, I might consider because I feel he might get some goal line looks. But otherwise, you know, that injury concern makes me a bit nervous about Fournette. But then, you know, the question, previous question was Drake and Fournette, so I still need to play Fournette. Right. Uh, but but that's someone I feel is a bit risky this week. You know, I, I in one of the dynasty, it's a dynasty league. I I took over for, it, it was two teams left the league uh, this year, and we had a dispersal draft between uh, me and and another um, owner in this league, and we took it over. And the teams weren't great. I mean, we we kind of knew that we were kind of punting 2018 and looking forward um, to to 2019. And um, in this league, I had the opportunity before the season started to trade uh, Jordy Nelson for both Marquise Lee and James White. And I was, of course, you know, oh, you know, these the, the assets that I would be yep. getting, they're going up. So I, I made the deal and and obviously was not thrilled after Marquise Lee tore his ACL. But with James White, it's been awesome and I've loved it. And it's been fantastic this year. I also my first round pick in the dispersal draft was Leonard Fournette, which has been very frustrating, obviously, because I've been without him most of the season. But I just checked the standings Tuesday morning in this league and I'm one victory point out of the final playoff spot. With, and and wow. here's the thing, Bip Lab, I, my second running back, uh, you know, in, in this league, it's been, it's been awful. It's been like Wendell Smallwood and it's been, um, yep. uh, D, uh, Devante Booker and just these, and, and this is a league with like, you know, a lot of high stakes guys in this. I mean, like Michael Cobb is in this, John Duckworth, Kurt Kikas. I mean, they're, they're all in this. It's, it's very, very competitive. There's nobody on the waiver wire. And like to, to, to like, so now I get Fournette. Hopefully I'm getting Fournette back this week and I'm just licking my chops, man. And I, I just, I really want this to work out so I can trot out Fournette and James White in this league and really make a run here. I don't know if it's going to happen. And Fournette's yeah. certainly a, a riddle that everybody's trying to solve, but that's, that's a game I'll definitely be watching very, very close uh, on Sunday when, when Jacksonville takes on Indianapolis. I'm, I'm hoping that Fournette um, has a good end of the season. I know he's been hurt, but the fact yep. that he's missed all this time, there's an argument for fresh legs coming in and really for him go, to go on a run um, this, these final two months. I, I mean, I remember the playoffs. If you remember, he came from an ankle injury and he was a start in the playoffs. I think, you know, the FFPC post regular season uh, tournaments that you do. I think he was a star scoring two or three touchdowns in one game and he came back from an injury. So hopefully he'll repeat that and not not get hurt again, right? The last game was a bit scary when he got hurt. But James White has been such a revelation. You know, that guy doesn't fumble, protects his quarterback you know he's so underrated i know in one dynasty you and i are together i tried to pedal him off you but you just didn't oh, give right. up to I the temptation yeah. i i was foreseeing something like this happen you know i never liked burkhead everyone was going gaga about burkhead and you know michelle would take some time to evolve i tried to get him cheap but i couldn't and now i regret yeah right? no i mean like and the thing is like 
I was willing to deal him. And honestly, like I was talking with uh, with our mutual friend, uh, co-host right. of the HSFFR, Dave Gerzak. And he's like, you know what? You might want to think about dealing dealing White before the trade deadline passes this year because obviously, you know, Sony Michelle is looking so good. And, you know, he's, he's going to be a staple in that New England backfield for years to come. And I said, you know what? You're right. And and in the league, you're trying to get him. And I just, I couldn't, like, I needed to, to ride him right. out. Like, I just, I had nothing else. And this, and by the way, this is one of the big shortcomings I have in Dynasty. Over and over and over and over again, I overvalue, like, I, I try to acquire this huge stable of receivers at the expense of my quarterbacks and my running backs, <laughs> and to a certain extent, tight ends. Because the, the Dynasty leagues I'm in, uh, none of them are tight end premium. So I like, and I, and I feel like I know this, I know it's a weakness. And again, and again, I, I just have this massive stable of like six startable receivers roughly every yep. week. And then my running backs are just absolute, just but, dog, dog crap. I mean, they're just but, terrible. But that's not bad. You know, I like building my dynasties that way, you know, going after young receivers. I mean, they can serve you for years to come and then you just need to hit a couple of running backs, just as you did with James White this year. Right. And, yeah. uh, yeah. and, and, and I mean, that's and that's my whole point. It's just like in Dynasty, it's like, OK, let me build my this deep, young receiver core and I'll be set there. All I need to do is overbid like four or five, six hundred bucks on a guy off the waiver wire early in the season, like Philip Lindsay is a perfect example of yep, that. Like yep, if yep. you hit on him for a season, great. And then, you know, just, just work your way and try to do that every single year. And I always feel like and perhaps I'm overestimating my ability to, to not only bid correctly on a guy, but bid on the correct guy and, and make sure I get him on my team. And, and I feel, and you know, it's the, the frustrating thing, Biplab, I know it's a weakness. I know it's a shortcoming of mine and I still make the same mistake in all my leagues every year. No, but you know, some of the most successful dynasty teams I have where I'm doing pretty well at FFBC, if you look at them, they're stacked with receivers, you know, and, and then, you know, the, even the rookie running backs evolve faster than receivers, you know, as a rule of thumb. And I just need to, the way I do it is tight end, four receivers, and just nail two rental running backs, you know, and it should be fine. I mean, that's how I've done it, unless you have a bell or a girly, which is different. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally with you. Hey, listen, this was, this was great talking fantasy with you once again. Thank you so much. Uh, for sitting in with me on the lowdown this week. Uh, great stuff from you, BipLab. Not only do I wish you good luck in this Terminator tournament, but I wish you uh, best uh, wishes in, in your FPCs, your main events, everything. And and hopefully 2018 ends up being a banner year for you, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much, Balki. Have a good night and um, hope to talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. 
As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.